Good morning, Cypress Bible Church. We're going to continue on in our Advent um, series this morning as we celebrate uh, God putting on flesh and coming into this world, uh, revealing his glory to all mankind. And this morning, as has been said, we're going to be focusing on joy. Uh, what is the source of joy as we celebrate Advent this season? So we're going to be looking at Luke uh, chapter 2, and we're going to be reading verses 8 through 14. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the field and keeping watch at night over their flocks. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a babe wrapped in tight clothes, lying in a manger. Suddenly, there was a multitude of heavenly hosts with the angels, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth for all people, for the people he favors. Father God, we come into your presence this morning and we pray that you would speak to us, that you would remind us the true meaning of Christmas and the true source of joy, your Son, Jesus Christ. So speak by the power of your Spirit, I pray and I ask in the name of Jesus, amen. Well, for, for many of us, uh, we get excited about the Christmas season, uh, and we have, a lot of times, great expectations. Uh, the problem is, is a lot of times we don't actually get to meet those expectations, do we? Uh, because we all have perfect families and perfect, all the circumstances, just Christmas just works it all out, right? Uh, unfortunately, that's not true, is it? Sometimes we have messy families and messy circumstances, and, and life doesn't pause for the Christmas season. And so sometimes we're, we're reaching, we're grasping for something that we want to be there, but we just can't get our hands around it. And so this morning, I want us to, to focus on the, the true meaning of Christmas and what truly brings us joy. And we all know what that is. Hallmark movies. <laughs> this is truth. I'm just, I'm up here to tell you truth. Hallmark movies is what we all need, right? Uh, now, it's interesting because you either love Hallmark movies or you despise Hallmark movies. Uh, I probably fall a little more on the, I'm not a big fan of Hallmark movies. Uh, they're extremely predictable. You watch five minutes and you know the rest of the story, right? But, but why is it that we, we cling to Hallmark movies and so many people love them? I think it's because they're, they are predictable, we know they're gonna, we're, gonna, we're gonna laugh and we're gonna smile and it all works out in the end. You don't have to worry. And I think, I think a lot of people find peace and comfort in that. They know the end of the story. They know this is gonna, this is gonna again, bring them joy at the end of it. Um, but many times when we, when we look at, at scripture, when we look at the biblical narrative, we can sometimes interpret scripture as being like a Hallmark movie. It all ends up well in the end, right? Um, 
We tie joy many times to our circumstances. And when things are going well and everything's happening, we, we have joy. But when things aren't going well and we're struggling and we're, we're faced with sickness and disease and death and uh, the loss of a job or craziness in our family, then, then we think, I, I can't seem to find joy. And I think if we want to this Christmas season, as we celebrate Advent, to remember the true meaning of Christmas and the true source of joy, we have to recognize what is true joy. Uh, the Greek word, as, as, the, as it is defined, says it's closely related to gladness and happiness, although joy is more of a state of being than an emotion, a result of a choice. One of the fruits of the spirits in Galatians, uh, having joy is part of the experience of being a Christian. And so, so our joy isn't necessarily dependent upon our circumstances. It, it's dependent upon Jesus Christ. In John chapter 15, verses 11, it says, I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And so regardless of your like life circumstances, you might be having a great Christmas, everything's going your way, and you're experiencing joy, and, and, and that's a blessing. Uh, but things might not be going your way. They might not be uh, the hallmark story that you wanted for this Christmas season, but you can still have joy because it's an internal state. But what we need to make sure that we don't do is, is when we read scripture sometimes and, and when you hear Christians talk about, about joy, we, we live in this with this expectation of things are just gonna go your way because you love God. But we know that that's not true. Let's take the, the story of the, the poor widow in the mites. In Luke 2, 21, one through four, Jesus looked up and saw a rich dropped the offering into the, into the uh, temple treasury. And he also saw a poor widow dropping in two tiny coins. And he said, truly I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For all of these people have put gifts out of their surplus, but she, out of her po poverty, has put in all she has to live on. That's a, that's a tough story. But I've heard, I've heard many people, many Christians, and even pastors preach from the pulpit. The end of this story is a hallmark ending, right? God looks at this woman's faith and, and somehow miraculously she, she goes home and finds that lost lottery ticket and lo and behold, the numbers match up and she wins it and she lives happily ever after. But if you, if you read how Jesus ends this passage, it says she put in all that she had to live on. So more likely closing to the story is the woman went home and she grabbed her last little morsel of bread and she gave thanks to God. And she probably passed away of hunger and starvation. And sometimes we struggle with that ending because it's, it's difficult, it's challenging to us, because we want the hallmark ending. 
There's another story in scripture of the rich man and, and Lazarus. And the, the rich man has fine clothes and he's eating as much as he wants to the full and outside Lazarus is there, he's, he's starving. He's suffering, the dogs are, are licking his wounds, right? But what happens is that night, three ghosts visit Lazarus, right? And they convince him of his evil ways. Um, and then in the morning, he comes out and he helps the poor man and gives him food and, oh no, wait, that's, I'm sorry, that's a different story. My bad, that, that's another Christmas story. That's not what happens, is it? Is it? Lazarus dies there on, on the steps. But later, the rich man also dies. And we both know the end of the story. Lazarus goes to be in Abraham's bosom. So he goes to the, to the equivalent of, of, of heaven. And the rich man goes to Hades. And he's begging for a drop of water because he's just, he's just burning up. <laughs> and so the hallmark ending doesn't always come in our lifetime. It doesn't always come as we, as we desire it. But the hallmark ending does come in the end to those who have faith. And so when we look at the, the, the widow with the mites, the... the the two coins she puts in. We look at, at the story of Lazarus. In their lifetime, they don't experience the Hallmark story. But that's not the end of the story. One of my favorite movies is The Lord of the Rings. And to be a true Lord of the Rings, the movie and the book, you have to watch the extended edition if you are a true movie watcher. Um, and so I've seen the extended version I, I can't even tell you how many times. Uh, but there's one point in which kind of all the evil of Mordor is, is pressing in, um, and they feel like they're, they're losing. And one of the hobbits, Pippin, is talking to Gandalf. Um, and Pippin says, I, I didn't think it would end this way. And Gandalf looks at him and he says, end? No, the journey doesn't end here. Death is just another path, one that we all must take. The gray rain curtain of this world rolls back and all turns to silver grass, and then you will see it. What, Gandalf? See what? The white shores and beyond a far green country under a swift sunrise. Well, that doesn't sound too bad. No, it doesn't. And so the, the, the beautiful thing about the Christmas story is that we have a source of joy that cannot be taken away. This life is not the end of the story. It's just the beginning. And beyond that is an eternal relationship with a living God in which we will experience peace to the full, joy to the full, hope to the full for eternity. And that's the Christmas message. This is, this is the message that the world needs to hear. Life is difficult. We are going to struggle. But there's hope beyond this life. There's hope beyond the grave. And that's the message I hope we take away 
from the Advent story, the Christmas story this morning. So let's look at this passage in Luke chapter two, verses eight. It says, in the same region, shepherds were staying out in the field and keeping watch at night over their flock. Now being a shepherd certainly would never be a hallmark situation. Uh, It was a difficult, almost thankless job. But a lot of these would have been Levitical shepherds. So they're, they're watching over the flocks that would have raised up the young lambs that would have been intended for future sacrifice in the temple, right? And so there were many caves around Bethlehem, and uh, they, so they call these birthing caves, and a lot of times the shepherds go in there. Um, when, the, when the sheep gives birth to a baby lamb, they would wrap it in swaddling clothing. Why would they do that? because the lamb needs to be unblemished. And newborn lambs are, are clumsy, and they kind of stumble around, and uh, they could, you know, break a leg. They could, they could injure themselves. And so they would wrap them in swaddling clothing, give them time to get their energy about them, um, and then they would introduce them into the flock or keep them. You see the shepherds holding the, the young lamb. They're, they're preparing these lambs for sacrifice. And it wasn't a... It wasn't a very thankful job. Now think about staying up all night because this is the most vulnerable time for the flock. You've got the predators that are out. You've got thieves that are trying to steal. And so they're up all night watching over the flocks. And then during the day, it's not like they can just take a rest, right? They've got to bring them to water. They've got to bring them to grass. Uh, it, would have been a, it would have been a miserable, thankless job. And so these these shepherds are out in the field, and then the angel of the Lord's, the angels of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Now, I would be terrified too if a chubby baby with wings showed up in front of, right? That's kind of, I'm not sure where Christianity got this image of angels, (laughs) But in the scripture, it talks about angels being almost terrifying. They're so awesome in their being that even John, knowing that there's only one to be worshipped in Revelation, drops down and tries to worship the angel. He says, no, 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 don't worship me. Only worship the Lord. And so angels are, are awesome beings. They're ministering spirits. Imagine what it would have been like for the angels story, right? They're one day in heaven saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And then the fulfillment of all of time and history come to this place where the God who created everything, the God who created the angels, the God who created the heavens and the earth and the mountains and the oceans, all of a sudden comes upon Mary And this baby begins to grow in her womb. And the angels have to be watching this in awe. Like, what is God doing? How how is this possible that, that his glory could be contained in a small child? But the angels tell them in the next verse, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. They have come with a, with a message. Look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy 
that will be for all people. Now I'm wondering at this point if the, if the shepherds are, are realizing uh, what's happening. Again, they would have understood the, the, the message of, of atonement and they're raising up these lambs for the sacrifice, bringing them to the priests uh, for sacrifice. And, and they've been waiting for this day. They've been waiting for the coming of the Messiah. And here are the angels telling them, this is the time. The Messiah has come. They're preaching to them good news of great joy. They're proclaiming the gospel. The angels are, are evangelizing. And the only thing that they're, they're doing is they're pointing to them to the person of Jesus Christ. It says in the next verse that today in the city of David, a Savior is born to you who is the Messiah. So this was, this was long awaited. For over 400 years, God seemed to be silent. And all of a sudden we hear the the story of Zechariah as he's in the temple and, and God is speaking to him that he will have a son and uh, he runs out because he, he can no longer speak because he didn't believe the angel, right? And so the word would have been starting to, to spread around Jerusalem, around through the, through the people, like something's, something's happening. Things are starting to stir up. God had been silent for 400 years and now all of a sudden, boom, God is speaking again to Israel. And the angels, or the shepherds are out, and the angels are saying, this is, this is what you've been waiting for. The Messiah is coming. And in fact, he's here. He's with you. This would have been terrifying in itself. And it would have been possibly confusing to them. This isn't, again, this isn't like a hallmark story where you could predict this. Where is the Messiah? Is, he's he's going to be a king. He's going to be a ruler. Where is he? You'll find him. He's a, he's a babe wrapped in swaddling clothing. Today in the city of David, a Savior is born who is Messiah the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a babe tightly wrapped in tightly wrapped clothes lying in the manger. The Messiah. All that they had been taught, all that they knew about what God was doing for 2,000 years, revealing the coming of the Messiah, finds its fulfillment in this point in time. And who are the angels speaking to? Shepherds. This would have been mind-blowing. They, they would have tried to like, why would these angels be speaking to us? But this is the message of the gospel. It's for all people. And God is very strategic in everything he does. Again, the gospel message and the coming of the Messiah would have filtered out through these shepherds to who? Who did, the, who did the shepherds deal with? They would have been dealing with priests. Imagine a, imagine a shepherd going back to a priest, say, hey, I got, I got some news for you. Like, 
The other night, uh, an angel came to us, and he said, the Messiah has come. And so all of Israel had to have been stirring at this time of, of this coming Messiah. Uh, but it, again, it wasn't a hallmark story. They didn't expect this sort of thing for the, for the Messiah to come as a, as a baby, born from, from Mary and Joseph. It didn't, it didn't make any stan- sense. Nobody could predict this. But it's a sign for them to go and see. And then the angels say this. Suddenly, there was a multitude of heavenly hosts with the angels praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to people he favors. The angels are praising God. The angels marvel at this idea of salvation. In 1 Peter 1, 10 through 12, it says this, uh, concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that would come to you searched and carefully investigated. They inquired into what time or what circumstances the Spirit of Christ within them was indicated indicating when he testified in advance of the suffering of Christ and the glory that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you. These things have now been announced to you through those who are preaching the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Angels long to catch a glimpse of these things. Salvation is, 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 a, is a miracle. It's, a, it's the most amazing thing that has ever happened. In the beginning, we had a perfect relationship with God. It had all the makings of a Hallmark script. We're walking with God. God is taking care of all of our needs. There's no pain. There's no suffering. There is no death. sin. God says they couldn't eat of the forbidden fruit, the tree, uh, the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And where do we find Adam and Eve but at the tree eating the fruit? And God says all of us, like Adam and Eve, we have, we have all sinned. We've all fallen short uh, of the glory of God. And the wage of our sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And the angels are are praising God, the most high God. And he says, peace on earth to the people he favors. Now, in one sense, he favors all of us because the Messiah is for all people. It's for mankind, for all of us. But at the end of days, who does, he, who does he really favor? Who does he really cherish? He cherishes those who have faith. When we look at the story of the widow and the two mites, we think 
death would be the, the worst end for her, but it wasn't the end. It was only the beginning of a new journey. And it's far better than any other ending we could write for that story. If she died in, in suffering and hunger, her faith in Jesus Christ, her faith in what God had revealed was enough for her. The Hallmark ending didn't probably come in her lifetime, but it does come. And it comes through faith in Jesus Christ. As Lazarus is in the bosom of Abraham, all the pain and suffering that he experienced in life, he now knew that his faith in God was enough and that he would live in the presence of God forever. So my hope for us this Christmas season is that we, re- we would remember the f- source of joy is Jesus Christ. He wants that joy to be in us and to have joy to the full. But that joy isn't dependent upon our circumstances. It's not depending on everything going our way and everything working out. It's dependent upon knowing the end of the story that God is sovereign, he is in control, and he has brought salvation to mankind through Jesus Christ because the babe in the manger grew up and he was willing to go to the cross. For your sins and for my sins, he has atoned for the sins of the world. And now he says, only believe. We have nothing to offer God but our faith. And our faith is enough. And so this Christmas season, no matter where you're at, good or bad, pain or pleasure, our joy is made possible by Jesus Christ. And God wants you to know that he is with you in your trials. He's with you in your difficulties. He's with you in pain. He's with you in suffering. Through the fires, there's another in the fire. Jesus is with you. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let's pray. Father God, we come into your presence and we are in awe of the gospel that you've given to us, that you've revealed your glory and it culminates into the person of Jesus Christ, a babe in the manger who came for a purpose to seek and to save the lost because he was willing to take the penalty of our sins upon himself by going to the cross but we thank you that he defeated the cross, that he is a risen savior, and that all who profess faith in him will be saved. And so may our joy rest in him this season, knowing that regardless of life circumstances, it's not the end. You've promised us an eternity, and that all who place faith will be born anew, new creatures. And so let our joy be focused on the person of Jesus Christ this morning, that you may be glorified in and through us. Let us remember what Advent really means, that Jesus came, he died, he rose again and departed, but he is coming back. 
we will celebrate a second advent, and we await that day. But until that day, may your joy be in us. In the name of Jesus, amen.